Now, today is the day one, of course, isn't it, of 2023, right? And I wonder what one word, if you're going to use one word to summarize how you're feeling about the year ahead, what word would you use? If you're going to use one word to summarize it, I wonder what word you would use. What word comes to your mind right now? I hope the word that comes to your mind is confident. Confident. And by confident, I mean you are hopeful, positive, expectant about the year ahead. I hope that's how you're feeling. But I hope your confidence is not in yourself or even in people around you. I hope your confidence about 2023 is in God alone. The word says believe in yourself, but you know deep down you and I are not enough. You know that. Think about 2022. It didn't go the way you wanted it to go, did it? It didn't, if you're honest. It didn't go. Some things went as you planned, but all the things. There were a lot of surprises. You are the good, you are the, you are the bad, and you are the ugly, I'm sure. It was, you know, it was a surprise. And that's telling you that 2023 will also have many surprises. So your trust must not be in yourself. It must be in God alone. And what I want to do today is to encourage you to grow your confidence in God as you start 2023. I want you to be confident in God in 2023, and I want you to start thinking about how do you grow your confidence in God in 2023. And to help us do that, I want us to look at this Psalm 27. This psalm, this song or poem was written by the second king of Israel, King David. It was written over 3,000 years ago. King David faced many difficult and uncertain situations in his life. But in whatever situation David was in, his attitude can be summarized, I think, by verse 3 of this psalm. Though an enemy, an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. I will be confident. David is saying, no matter what situation I'm in, I am confident in God. Not in myself, not in people around me. I am confident in God. I don't need to worry or despair. I don't need to be anxious about about what lies ahead of me. My confidence is in God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this should be your attitude as you enter 2023. As I said, you're going to get a lot of surprises, just like you had surprises in 2022. But you don't need to be anxious. You cannot control what is coming, but there is a God who controls all things. So don't put your trust in you. Start 2023 with a clear hand, a clear hand, this hand. I want to grow in my confidence in the true God of the Bible. That should be on New Year's resolution. I want to grow in my confidence in the true God of the Bible. I want to trust him more. And my goal, as I said today, is to help you grow uh, your confidence in God. I want to give you three reasons. We're going to walk through this. um, I want to give you three reasons. Three reasons from Psalm 27 of why your confidence must be in God. And then I'll tell you four steps that you need to take to grow your confidence in God in 2023. 
They might say seven points, but really it's three points plus four practical <laughs> applications, right? So let's start with the first reason. You must be confident in God. It's in your outline. You must be confident in God because God is your personal protector. You must be confident in God because God is your personal protector if you are in Jesus Christ. If David was living today, I am sure his cover page on Facebook would have verse 1 in bold letters. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You can feel David's confidence in his words, isn't it? Notice three times he says, my, very possessive. David is saying, I want all of you who are reading this to know the true God belongs to me. He is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. He is mine, and I am all his. And notice the Lord is in capital letters, isn't it? Because that is because this is the, the name of God. In the Old Testament, when you write Yahweh, it's written as Lord in capital letters. This is the God of Israel, Yahweh. And David is basically saying, I know the true God personally. Personally. He is mine. And I am his. Now, many people know God the way they know King Charles. Right? They have read about King Charles. They've seen him on tele. They even have memorabilia. I don't know why anyone would have King Charles memorabilia. But they love King Charles and they have memorabilia about King Charles. But they've never met him. And he doesn't even know they exist. They only know King Charles in the abstract. They do not have a personal knowledge or personal relationship with King Charles. Now some people are like that with God. They come to church. They even have Bibles at home. They read them. But they cannot say, God knows me and I know him. He's my personal friend. They don't walk around with the consciousness of God on their mind, thinking of him, praying to him, looking to him, depending on him every moment. No, God is like a duty they go through. If they're in church, because the parents perhaps said, you must turn up to church. They don't have a personal relationship with God. And because of that, they don't really know him. King David is the opposite. God is not just a word of belief to King David. Notice, God is more real to David than even his relationship, listen to me, than even his relationship with his mom and dad. Did you notice that when Eldrick read it in verse 10? For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Doesn't mean they really abandoned me. But what he's saying is that when he compares his relationship with his mom, this is poetic language, and how he knows God, it's much deeper how he knows God than how he knows his parents. It's remarkable, isn't it? David is saying, I trust God more than my parents, more than my flesh and blood. God is more real to me than my family members. I really know him, and he knows me. So no matter what situation I'm in, I'm always confident that God is going to protect me. My true God is not far from me. He is my personal protector. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. King David had a true relationship with God. You know, 
so true, so deep, that God even said, David is a man after my own heart. God had given King David a heart that truly loved God. King David was a true child of God, and God was involved every day in the life of David. And you know what? If you are truly trusting the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, what is true of King David is also true of you. Because the God of David is our Lord Jesus Christ. During Christmas, we were reminded that God put on our human flesh in Jesus of Nazareth. He came to bring us back to God by dying for our sin on the cross. All of us were once at war against our one true God, Yahweh, the God of David. Our sin had made us enemies against God, and we were slaves of the devil. We were reminded of that as we went through Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to 18. We lived enjoying our sin and hating our true God who had fashioned us in his own image. And because of our rebellion, God condemned us to suffer in hell forever for our sin. But at Christmas, we are reminded, isn't it? God, out of the abundance of his love for us, could not stand to see us go to hell forever. His love for us has always been bigger than our sin. So God came down that first Christmas. God came down to us. He came to reconcile us back to himself by paying the price for the breach of peace between us and God. The penalty for our sin was death. That is why we hold God. But we were spiritual criminals. We couldn't pay the price. We could not afford to pay the penalty to secure peace with God. But the good news is that Christ has done this. He came to suffer and die for our sin. When Jesus died on the cross, God punished him in our place. But Jesus did not just die to stop the war between us and God. Christ died for us to make us part of God's family. Forgiveness of sin plus fellowship. That's the package. He died so that we can call God our Father. Not in an abstract way, but in a deep, personal way. It is a parable of a lost son, isn't it? We have offended God our Father. We have squandered the love and care of our Father, but our Daddy has reached out to us. He has welcomed us instead of punishing us. He has forgiven us and thrown a big party, a big welcome party. He has said to every child of God, always forgotten, you are my child. I love you to bits. This is your home. We are one family now. That's the package God offers us in Christ. But to be truly part of God's family, we must admit we are sinners, and we must ask God to forgive our sin based on the death of Jesus on the cross for us. And as you start this year, the most important question you must ask yourself, young and old, is have you done that? Are you entering the child of 2023 as a child of God or as a child of hell? Are you entering 2023 as a person who has repented of their sins and is truly trusting in Jesus Christ? Or are you still a new year and the same old you bound for hell? Start this year with the confidence of being able to say, God is my personal 
protector. Repent and trust in Jesus if you haven't done that. Now, if the answer is that you've already done that, then you're a true child of God. And what is true of King David is also true of you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. You could say the Lord has taken me in. Has he taken you in? Well, if he has, then praise the Lord. God is your personal protector. And so in 2023, you don't need to despair. Be confident. God will not leave you nor forsake you. God has promised that he will always be with you in 2023, just as he was with you in 2022, because you trust in him. So that's the first reason to be confident. You should be confident because David has taught us here that God is our personal protector. The second reason you can be confident as you start 2023, if you're a true child of God, is that God is your powerful protector. He's not just a personal protector. He's powerful towards you. He uses his power for you. We all have anxieties, don't we? Fears. In fact, we're having a chat about that. You know, just before the beginning of the year, you feel a bit anxious, isn't it? You don't know what's coming around the corner. As I said, you think of all the surprises you had in 2023. I felt that at the beginning of this year. Just as I was reflecting on this over this week, I was like, wow, 2023 was hard. There were many challenges. So many things I couldn't predict. I couldn't predict the death of my own mother. I couldn't predict the death of my... My, 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 my niece having a, 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 a one-year-old daughter being crushed to death. I couldn't predict that. But then I couldn't predict, some of you have gotten to know this year, wonderful people who have come and started attending this church and getting to know you. Well, wonderful surprises, good and bad, isn't it? And so none of us know what lies ahead. And that can make us feel anxious, isn't it? Perhaps you're fearing, is your health going to get worse? Or you're getting one year older and you're perhaps feeling a bit more lonely and you're wondering, is it going to get even more lonelier going forward? Or maybe you're fearing for your marriage. Your marriage is struggling a little bit. And you're wondering, is my marriage actually going to survive 2023? My kids, are they going to make it? Will my job still be there? And you look at the nation, the way... Things are in at the moment you're wondering. What is the country going to be like by the end of 2023? Civil disobedience, who knows? You're worried. And you're perhaps feeling anxious. David has every reason to fear. He has enemies in his life who should be doing life sentences. Look at this 12. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. He's praying to God. For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. You know, these are not Tory plotters trying to get rid of Rishi Sunak because the poor haven't improved. No, no, no. These people want David's head, right? They want him dead. And David should be running, but he is not. Why? Because David believes God is more powerful than his fears. He comes back to verse 1 to 3. Look at that again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? When he will do as a sell me to eat up my flesh, that is to kill me, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, right? My heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Now, did you notice in verse 1, David uses three metaphors to describe how God protects his life. First, what does he say? The Lord is my light. David is saying, God is my powerful security. You know, if you're walking down the car park, right? A very dark car park. It makes sense for you to carry a torch, doesn't it? Be good for you to carry a torch, right? Just in case somebody jumps out on you, right? And takes you out in the car park. Because some of the dangers in the car park may be real dangers. There are people like that, right? But you also need to carry a torch just in case there's nothing there. Because carrying a torch exposes the car park for what it is. And if there's no danger, rather than you worrying, you can see there's nothing to worry about, right? So the light both takes away the anxieties we have about real dangers and also dangers that we are just in our head. And what David is saying is, the powerful light of the presence of the one true God of Israel is my security. It takes away, he takes away all my anxieties. I am not afraid of whatever life brings because the Lord is my light. He shines a torch. He is a light that guides me and is a light that makes me see danger and avoid it. Secondly, David says here, the Lord is my salvation. What David is saying is this, is that the Lord is my all-powerful deliverer or protector from any danger I face in life. But notice what he says, the Lord is my salvation. Not a way to salvation, is my salvation. That's important. You know, if you are, if you are held hostage and the SAS are sent in, right, to bring you out from that hostage situation, You'll be very confident, isn't it, when you hear that the SAS are coming for you. You're like, yeah, we're sending. You see this on television. Hostages, oh, they're sending in the SAS. And everybody's excited that the SAS are going to do their thing. And that's because the SAS are very well trained and we know that they do their job. But the God of the Bible does not simply send in, does not send in others to rescue us. He comes himself. He himself is our rescuer. And he has come to us in Jesus to be our personal, powerful rescuer. So we can say the Lord himself is my savior, is my salvation. The other image that David uses here, he says the Lord is my stronghold or my castle. David is saying God is my powerful, not protect, well, protector, yes, but powerful bodyguard. This is why he says, whom shall I fear? Well, and the answer is no one. He doesn't need to fear anyone. King David uh, is so confident that God is powerful against all his enemies that the only thing that David desires is that God should always be with him. Look at verse 4 to verse 6 there. One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the power of, under the cover of his tent. 
He will lift me high. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David, what is David saying? David is saying to God, even my deep valleys are on higher ground because you are my powerful protector in every situation I find myself in. In every situation, God is my powerful protector. And the good news of the Bible, again, is that if we are followers of Jesus Christ, this powerful protector of David is our God in Jesus Christ. The omnipotent God has put on human flesh in Jesus for us who truly trust in him. If you are a true follower of Jesus, the omnipotent God, our Lord Jesus, is directing his infinite power towards you. He is your powerful protector in 2023. As I said, none of us know what the year ahead will bring. Are we going to be attending your funeral in 2023? Are we? Well, you may confess it, no, but you don't know. You don't know. Our prize that we want, but the truth of the matter is that God is sovereign in all things. God may decide to bring you home. We used to be in your job, we don't know. There are many things we don't know answers to. And the truth of the matter is that the child of God does not need to know. We don't need to worry about those things. Why? Because we know that in life or death, God is our powerful protector. God will keep us in the year ahead with him. If you're a true follower of Christ, you need to rest in this truth that God chose you in Christ before he created the universe. He created you then. He died for you. He called you by the gospel. And he gave you faith in Jesus to trust in him. And he is now living in you by his Holy Spirit. And he is powerfully keeping you. Your story with God started from before the world began. So God is committed to keeping you in Christ. In life or death. Now God keeping us does not mean that 2023 will go smoothly. It does not mean you will not go through suffering in 2023. If you have been a true Christian for more than a week, you know God does his work best by taking us through seasons of suffering. As believers, we shouldn't desire suffering, but we should recognize it's God's best instrument for growing us in him. And so you should expect suffering in 2023. And so God keeping you doesn't mean there won't be any suffering. No. God being your powerful protector means that God will use all of his power to keep you in Christ for his glory and for your good in 2023. No matter what lies ahead, if you are in Christ, you will endure to the end. And so as you start 2023, be confident that the power of God will keep you and bring you safely into his heavenly kingdom. There's no other way for you to live and face 2023 than to trust in the omnipotent power 
of those hands of grace that willingly bled on that cross for you. So that's the first. So the first reason, isn't it? We have learned. Reason number one to be confident: God is our personal protector. Reason number two: God is our powerful protector. And here is the third reason. The third reason we can be confident as you enter 2023 is that God is your proven protector. God is your proven protector. The Great Wall of China is what? Thousand miles long, right? 30 feet high and 18 feet thick. It's a massive construction. Massive. Mind-boggling. It was actually built as security against the northern invaders. And it was meant to be impenetrable. But as impressive as that structure was, the wall was eventually breached. But do you know how it was breached? Not by physically breaking it down, no. But by simply bribing the gatekeepers. How should you breach such an impenetrable wall? And the lesson from that is that any defense is only as reliable as the people protecting it. Now, our confidence, therefore, is only as good as the object of our trust. As true followers of Jesus, we can be confident in God's help, not only because God is personal to us, not only because God is powerful to us, those are good things, but because God has proved his faithfulness to us. And this is the key of this psalm. David believes God is trustworthy. And this is why King David has come to God, you see, in prayer. And when he comes to God in prayer, what is he holding in his hands? If we imagine him, he's holding past pledges of what God has done for him in his hands. That's God's past promises. Look at verse 7 to 9 again. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, he's quoting God's word now. That's the promise. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me, says David. Turn not your servant away in anger. And listen to what he says. Oh, you who have been my help. God has done it for him in the past. And then he goes on. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. What David is saying to God is this. I trust your word that you will keep me. Because you have always come through for me in the past. I know I can count on you. Lord, you are not like other people in my life who promise me one thing and do the other. I know you keep your word. I know you are honest to the bone. That's what David is trusting in. And it's not a surprise David feels this way about God, isn't it? Because when we read through the Psalms, the phrase that keeps coming up in the Psalms, what is the most common phrase in the Psalms? No, seriously, that's a real question. What is the most common phrase, anyone, in the Psalms? The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And Psalm 136 is full of it. The God of David, you see, keeps his promises to his people because God has a love for his people that never quits on those he has covenanted with or bound himself to. It is the love of God that makes him keep his promises. 
The love of God is a steadfast love, hasted, that never disappoints those he loves. And David knows God will keep his promises to him because, as I said, God never stops loving his children. Look at verse 12. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, he says. For false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He trusts in the goodness of God to him. And if you're a true follower of Christ this morning, you know the proven help of God in your life. You know it. First, you know it because that's why you're a Christian. You are a Christian because God kept his promise in Genesis chapter 3 to send the serpent crusher. The offspring of Eve to crush the serpent. God kept that promise. You are a Christian because God kept his promise in Isaiah 9 to enter this world and live among us as wonderful cancer, mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. God kept that promise. God kept the promise in Isaiah 53 to crush his Messiah on the cross for our sin. To bear in his body the wrath and judgment of God that we deserve. God kept that promise, didn't he? On the third day, God kept his promise in Psalm 22 to raise our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. So that you can have life with God. The Lord did not let his Holy One see corruption. He kept that promise. And we can say God kept the promise of Psalm 110 for Jesus to ascend into heaven. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus and his ascension assures us no matter what life holds in 2023, God will bring us safely into his heavenly kingdom. And so you know it because that's why you're a Christian. God keeps his promise. But you also know it not only simply because you read about it in the Bible, but you have experienced it over the last year. This afternoon, just take a moment, think back over your life. Has God not kept you from many dangers in your life? Those of you who drive, how many near misses have you had on the road? How many foolish mistakes have you made in your life, in your marriage, and God is still here keeping your marriage together? Children, how many times have you upset your parents and you, you could just run you out? But they are still keeping. God in his grace has been working through all of these different events in your life to keep you. And I hope you've had prayers you've written down that you know God has answered for you in 2023. God hasn't given you everything you wanted because he's a good father. But you, if you've been a Christian for more than a week, you know our father is faithful. He keeps his promises. And just you entering 2023 is not because you are clever than other people. But because God, by his sovereign mercy, has put a hedge around you over your life and is protecting you and he's decided to bring you in into 2023. <coughs> by his grace. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have every reason to be confident in God as you start 2023. God is your personal, powerful, and proven protector. But now you may be thinking, I believe all of this, child. I really believe this, and I really do want to grow in having confidence in God in 2023. So how do I do it? 
I started 2022 and trusting God, but I weathered off a little bit. Now I start, I really want to grow in having more confidence in God. So how do I do it? Well, four steps. The Psalms are good. Because the Psalms don't only tell us theological truths. The Psalm, what the Psalms do is, they take the theological truths and they bring it to our hearts and then spread it to our hands, legs, and feet, as it were. They get us doing. That's why I love the Psalms. The Psalms are about action. Theological truth married with action. And in this case, David, in this Psalm, is actually not only teaching us to be confident in God, he's teaching us how we can grow in confidence in God. And there are four steps David includes here. Let me give them to you quickly, and then we'll finish. The first step you need to take to grow in confidence in God is this. Prioritize, right? Prioritize the gathered worship of God. I know, that's not what you're expecting. But it is. Prioritize this. Gathering with the people of God. Now you might say, of course Chola is going to start there. I didn't come up with that. It's in verse 4. One thing, David says, have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. King, the ladies might help me on this one since they're going on Esther. They're reading Esther, I think. King Azeras, I can never say his name. Anyway, you know the king in Esther, right? (laughs) King Azeras or something like that, was taken in so much with Queen Esther, right? That he offered to give her whatever she wanted. Do you remember that? Up to what? Half of his kingdom. Right? Now the king ruled an enormous empire from India to Ethiopia. Massive. And Esther could have anything her heart desired. What an offer. Now imagine if somebody said that to you this morning. Imagine God saying it to you. If God offered to give you whatever you asked for, what would it be? Right now. What is the one thing that means the world to you? What would you choose? Pay off your mortgage? Marry a certain person? Become famous for being famous? Maybe time travel to the future to see what's going on there. Or maybe travel to the past to fix a mistake. Would you ask to look younger, perhaps? What is one thing as you sit here that you desire most in life? You know, for King David, what his number one desire was. He could have asked God for anything. But look at verse 4, his desire. His number one desire is to spend his life in the house of the Lord. Now, he's not talking about private worship. He's not even talking about the temple in Jerusalem. He hadn't been built yet. David is talking about the gathered worship of the people of God. That's the house of the Lord. David is saying this is the thing that he wants most. Because it is as he gathers with the people of God to worship God together that his love for God grows. One thing I have asked of the Lord, he says, that I will seek after is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Because as I dwell with God's people, as I worship with God's people, I begin to see the beauty of the Lord, and I begin to grow in loving God. 
And for us today, the house of the Lord is, of course, God's people. But most especially when God's people gather locally to worship Him. When the church is gathered to worship God, we are the house of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord is among us as we meet to worship Him this morning. Our gathering this morning and every Sunday over the next 52 Sundays will undoubtedly feel ordinary. It does. feels very ordinary. We don't always sing very well and we're improving, but, <laughs> but we struggle with that. It feels so ordinary. But God is here, says David. God is here. And you know what? The more you gather each week, the more you grow in Christ. Now, if you are not truly converted, gathering won't do you any good, of course. Unless you repent. It's like giving a, a, a dead person water. It won't make any difference, right? But if a person's alive, and they're thirsty, and they have water, they're energized. If you're a true believer, and you walk here, you gather with God's people on Sunday. Your faith is renewed. You grow to love God more. Of all the things David could have mentioned, praise the Lord as a pastor, I can say, he starts here. This is number one. Prioritize the gathered worship of God. So resolve to yourself as you start 2023, unless I'm unwell or in some extreme situation, then I'll always be gathered to worship wherever I am. If I'm at home, I must not allow myself any excuse to be absent from this special presence of God. I must gather here this morning. If I'm on holiday, I must find the church. And I won't just turn up for worship like a consumer. I'll be really committed to being with the people of God and serve Christ with them. And I'll take up opportunities throughout the week to gather with them for Bible studies, ladies, men's fellowship. I'll be there because this is how we grow our confidence in God. Now, you may dispute that. You may say, I've got better ways of doing it. But listen, you cannot say you have confidence in God without being obedient to the Bible. You can't grow in Christ on your terms. You can only grow on his step. And for us, for many of us who've been older Christians for a long time, this requires us to suspend perhaps what we thought is the way we grow in Christ and to bow immediately to the wisdom of God in verse 4. So that's the first thing. Prioritize the gathered worship of God. The second thing, we'll run through quickly. Read and pray the Bible back to God. I'm sure you noticed that. David knows the word of God and is praying it to God to grow his confidence. This is important. David doesn't just know the word of God. He uses the very word of God as the basis for his prayer. That's so important. This is a different kind of praying to what we often do. Often we just pray our own thoughts. But David's prayer life was to take what God had promised him and voice them back to God. Look at verse 7 and 8. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You see, he quotes God. You have said, seek my face. And then he prays back to God. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Look at verse 11. In verse 11, he's praying, teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me your Bible. <laughs> and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Teach me your law. Right? So if you want to grow your confidence in God in 2023, you must prioritize feeding on Jesus through his word. Which alone is pure milk that nourishes the soul. Start 2023 with a new resolve to study and pray the Bible. Pick a book. Pray through that. Two books you might want to think about. 
You could start praying through Luke, because we'll be going through Luke later on this year. Or you could pray through Philippians, because our brother Frederick would take us through some of the Bible studies through the book of Philippians. Do that. Or carry on praying through Titus, as Brother Ola continues to preach through that. You have these books, use them as a basis, perhaps, to pray through this word and study them here in the gathered assembly. And of course, consider reading the Bible with someone else. If you struggle to read the Bible on your own, get somebody in the church. Start reading the Bible with them. Let them hold you accountable. And together, pray through those truths before God. So prioritize the gathered worship of God's people. Read and pray the Bible back to God. The third thing, and I'll be quick, keep a record of past answers to your prayers. Look at verse 11. Or is it verse, what verse am I looking at here? Um, verse 9, sorry. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you who have been my help. Do you see that? David remembers that God has done it for him in the past. David never forgets what God has done for him in the past. And he mentions that in prayer, not because God has forgotten, but because it encourages David himself. And David is also teaching us that this is the way we grow in confidence in God. How do we grow? Well, we keep a record of things God has done for us in 2022. And as we struggle in 2023, we bring those things before God. And we say, Lord, you answered the prayer, and I'm trusting you, you answer this one. Keep a record and regularly review them and tell God about them. And finally, resolve to wait patiently on God to act for you in 2023. No matter how painful the way it is, look at verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait on him. Don't take matters into your own hands. Now waiting is the hardest act of faith. It's the hardest thing we can do as Christians. In 2023, God may ask you to wait for a job. And that's hard if you have nothing to go on. He may ask you to wait for healing because you're sick. And that's becoming very, very hard. You may have to wait for, if you are looking for marriage, you may have to wait for Mrs. Right or Mrs. Left or whatever. You may have to wait, right? And in those moments of waiting, you may be wondering... Does God know my situation? Does he care? Nothing is happening. When is God going to act? Waiting is difficult. But verse 14 tells us, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And you know, David, this isn't just theory. David had learned to wait on God. He knew the pain of waiting. He was anointed as king as a young man. But he did not take the throne until he was 30. Right? He could have killed Saul several times, but David refused to take matters into his own hands and arm God's anointed. He waited. He waited for the right time to respond against Absalom. David was always a man who was patient. So when David tells us to wait, he knows that growing in confidence in God in 2023... It's not about trying harder on your own, but you come by you learning to wait patiently on God in those difficult situations. In, in, in fact, trusting God means waiting on God. 
Now waiting can feel like you're not doing anything. If there's something you're praying for, it can feel so powerless. That's the whole point. It's depending on God. But you can feel like, I should be doing more. And so you become impatient. But waiting is not inactivity. You know, a duck might look like he's sitting still as he swims, isn't it? When you look at a duck, it looks like he's sitting still when he's swimming through the water. But beneath the surface, you know, it's paddling his legs, isn't it? In the same way, you know, if you're waiting, it may look still on the outside, but on the inside, your faith is being renewed. You are growing to trust God more. So wait. So those are the three, three reasons and four priorities. Three reasons to be confident in God in 2023. First, God is our personal protector. Secondly, God is our powerful protector. And thirdly, God is our proven protector. And the four steps we need to take to grow our confidence in God is, is that we must prioritize the gathered worship of God's people, read and pray the Bible back to God, three, keep a record of past answers to prayer, and four, resolve to wait patiently on God. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord.